The, uh, the parasha of this week is called Tetzaveh, and you shall command, but uh, it's really connected, very well connected to the previous, uh, previous uh, parashiot, the, at least the last two. And I went back and, and uh, looked at Yitro, that began in Exodus chapter 18, and you have Moses who invi invited to go up and meet with God and listen to God's instructions. And uh, then he receives the Ten Commandments while he's there. And then uh, we have the, we had the Parasha Mishpatim from chapters 21 on to 24, where we read a lot of uh, the law, social laws, laws that have to do with uh, the three main festivals of the year. And so a lot of the law code is given in this portion, and a lot of studies have been done in comparing this portion of the Mosaic law with ancient Near Eastern laws, and which is very interesting because in agrarian societies, whether they were in, in Babylon or in Canaan or, uh, or in what is Turkey today in Hittite country, they have very similar types of laws. What we find in the biblical law is that often the punishment is much harsher than what we read in ancient Near Eastern laws. And many times laws are given, and it is why are laws there? It's not just to, to rule, to have rules, but it is because often it says, Ani Adonai, Ani Adonai, I am the Lord. So you are to do these things, and you are to observe these things because I am the Lord. While the other ancient Near Eastern uh, law codes have absolutely nothing to do with a relationship, a personal relationship, and a community relationship with God or with the gods. So the Mosaic law is very special in the sense that it is to be, um, uh, to really make the relationship between Israel and, the, uh, uh, and God very rich. Now, in Mishpatim, Moses comes down, he gives the law to uh, the Israelites, and then he goes back up. So there's a lot of up and down uh, in these uh, parashiot. It's interesting. God calls him, come on up, I have some things to say. And he goes back down, shares it with the people. And I love that in the sense that uh, he goes up to get fresh, a fresh message. You know, he doesn't just go up one time. He goes up to the presence of God and really receives what is fresh for the people for that time. And then he comes and shares it with the people, then goes back up and gets another fresh um, set of instructions or in order for their relationship to be even uh, more solid. Now, last week's parasha was Truma, and uh, it was uh, t chapters 25 on. And so most of it had to do with instructions on building the temple, uh, the tabernacle, and all the objects, the cultic objects that go in the temple that had to do with them uh, worshiping God, the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, using all these, uh, these precious items that, um, whose instructions Moses received. Uh, now, in Tetzaveh, Moses is still up on the mount. So what we read about the instructions of the tabernacle didn't happen yet. It, those were simply, last week, the instructions. Because we find almost word for word in the next parasha and in the next couple of parashiot that uh, you, have, uh, you have it actually take place. So here it's the instructions are given. And in, 
In Tetzave, in this week's portion, it really has to do with uh, the high priest, the priest, the garments, the consecration. And I was thinking about that. Uh, you know, what if uh, God had stopped here, build a nice tabernacle? Okay, go on, you know, keep going in the wilderness. What's a building without the people and without worship and without people meeting with God? And so the purpose for the tabernacle was not just for the sake of the tabernacle, but it was because God had a whole system through which people would come and worship God and ask for forgiveness from God, offer sacrifices and offerings and, and celebrate all kinds of wonderful things that God had done uh, in their lives. So in uh, um, this week's parasha really has to do with the, the human side and the leadership uh, that God has ordained. And one thing that I love to study in scripture is the call of people, the call of Moses and the call of the prophets and really see how did God speak to them. And it's so, so unique to each one of them. And so the high priest, the work of the high priest and the work of the priest is very special, very unique to them. Nobody could do the work of the priests and without being a Kohen, without being one of the sons or descendants of Aaron. So, uh, so tabernacle is nice, a building is nice, but it's what happens in the building that matters. And of course, I was thinking of our building that is coming up. And uh, it won't be the building that will matter, but it will be what, what happens in the building and in the worship of God. And one thing that the, the worship team really prays for and we have on our hearts is that whenever the congregation comes here, is that people would forget about building neighbor uh, outfits, uh, events of the week, and just totally surrender to God. And I believe that that's what God wanted in the tabernacle, that people would come and meet with God and, and offer sacrifices. And the priests and the Levites took care of all the, the, the dynamics that took place. But people had to come with their hearts. And they had to come because they wanted God to change them. So our prayer is always, every Shabbat we pray before the service, and we pray that the hearts of the people would be open and that people would be you know, with just, uh, just, and I love in Hebrews, it says to be naked before the eyes of him we have to do. Say, okay, Lord, if there's something that needs to be cleansed, cleanse it. If I need to connect with someone, I want to connect with that person. Or if I'm just here to worship you, I just want to meet with you in a real way. And I believe that that's, that the human piece here, the leadership in the tabernacle is to facilitate this. It's not just a matter of offering sacrifices, not just a matter of, of uh, doing the things, you know, bringing animals and all this. I mean, there were a lot of details. But what are these details without the heart of the people? And so God is after our hearts also. So the parasha begins with instructions to bring pure olive oil from beaten olives and uh, just the best of the oil, so not just any kind of oil. And uh, so they had to have brought some oil with them from Egypt because there's no, no olive tree in the wilderness where they were, so they had brought probably various qualities. And um, we know that when they left, they got 
the best of what the Egyptians had. And so therefore, and God had a plan with the stuff they came out with. It wasn't just getting the spoil from the Egyptians and say, yoo-hoo, I've got lots of stuff, you know. And look at all this gold and look at all these bling, you know. And, uh, but, uh, but God had a purpose for what, uh, what they came out with, which makes it interesting in, in when we look at uh, uh, the time when this is given, Moses is up on the mount, and he is told that the garment of the priest it describes the whole thing. I'm not going to go into the interpretations of everything and every piece of the outfit, but there are at least eight garments that the, uh, the high priest was to wear, and four of them were to be worn by the priests. A tunic, turban, sash. The sash was actually 40 feet long. A uh, cloak, ephod, which was like an apron, a breastplate, a crown, and even the underwear had to be made of linen and uh, de details given of uh, the type of fabric and exactly uh, how the artists were to use the material that uh, the Israelites would bring to the table. And so Aaron's descendants were to serve as priests. No one else could do this. And uh, the high priest garment had a lot of gold on it, fine linen, rubies, topaz, emerald, turquoise, sapphire, diamond, jacinth, agate, amethyst, beryl, onyx, jasper, pomegranates uh, made of uh, uh, ivory probably since they've, they have found one. It's possible that it was uh, made of ivory and uh, also pomegranates uh, and pomegranates and gold bells. So the, the richness of uh, what uh, was to be used. Now, where did that stuff come from? And that stuff surely didn't come from, uh, from the, the Israelites' treasures. They were under oppression when they left Egypt. But we know that in the account of the Exodus, in Exodus chapter 12, we read, Now the Egyptians urged the people, sending them out of the land quickly, for they said, We will all be dead. Please go. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, with their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. So the Israelites acted according to the word of Moses. They asked the Egyptians for articles of silver, gold, and for clothing. Adonai gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians and let them have what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. It's surely not in the desert that you find amethyst, uh, onyx, uh, jacinth, diamond, sapphire, turquoise, emerald. Or, you know, so on top of uh, what it says that they got silver, gold, and clothing, it says that they got everything. Uh, they really plundered them. Not for their own uh, benefit, but really because God had a plan. And so this plan was that God wanted to use these things for his glory, to make beautiful things for the tabernacle, and to make a beautiful outfit for the high priest. And it actually says that, that uh, the, um, uh, you are to make holy garments for your brother Aaron, for splendor and beauty, for kavod and tiferet, for absolutely glorious. And was it so that the high priest would look good? You know, it didn't have anything to do with the high priest. It was because he represented the glory 
and the, the, of God and the beauty and the exceeding beauty of God. So what he was wearing, of course, only when he fulfilled his duties, he didn't wear that all week. And so only when he was fulfilling his, his duties did he wear the, this precious, uh, outstanding, amazing looking outfit that had all these jewels that uh, represented the different tribes and, and carried that before the Lord. So when you think about it, he was to do this as an intercessor as he brought the names of the tribes before the Lord in the tabernacle and went once a year in the Holy of Holies and really brought the people with him on his heart, it says that it was, uh, he carried these things on his heart and some things carried on his shoulders. Now, while all this is happening, it's amazing message what we read. It's beautiful. But then Aaron, where's Aaron? Aaron? Would you please come here? <laughs> now, Aaron is... is <laughs> oh, well. You have to be a priest. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll say these are the sons of Aaron. <laughs> okay, so we've got Aaron, and but he's not on the mountain with me. He's actually down below. And uh, below the mountain. And while God is giving these amazing instructions, thank you, Aaron, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and so God is describing this, uh, how the riches uh, that are in the hands of the Israelites, God is describing to Moses what is to be done with them. Now, what's Aaron doing? He's down at the bottom of the mountain. And says, well, why don't you all give me your gold stuff and let's, you know, how about we do uh, a golden calf, you know. And so God had a purpose for the items that he had placed in the hands of the Israelites. But Aaron didn't know that he was going to be wearing this amazing outfit. They were impatient down there because Moses was up here for 40 days. And so while he's down there, he's just leading the show and uh, getting, you know, melting the gold. And, uh, and of course, then when Moses came down, it wasn't his fault. And, uh, and uh, so we'll read this in the next parasha or a couple of parashiot down the road, and we'll read uh, how things really happen. But I was uh, thinking of the contrast between what God is saying and the description of what is to be done with the gold and what Aaron is doing with the gold. And Aaron is actually playing with the same gold that is to be used to place on him uh, as the most beautiful outfit uh, that God has to him to serve as the, the high priest. Thank you very much, Aaron. May May the Lord bless you. <laughs> and um, so I was thinking, you know, uh, what has God placed in our hands? What riches, blessings has God placed in our hands? Physical, spiritual, any blessing. What are we doing with those things? Are, do they all belong to God since they come from God? Are we using them the way God wants them to be used? So the, the, the blessings, whether they be financial, whether they be material, whether they be spiritual, you know, is my first reaction with the blessings to bless others, to bless God, but to bless others also with what God has put in our hands. What's the purpose? So I need to ask the Lord, what is the purpose for 
what you have placed in my hands, which is unique, it's different for each one of us, but each one of us has the same responsibility, is to really make sure that the, the blessings are in God's hands and are used the way uh, God wants, it to it wants to use them. And then I was thinking, does outward appearance uh, matter to God? Well, yeah, we think, no, he looks at the heart. Well, I think he looks at the heart first, but he's also concerned that we reflect his glory and his beauty. And so the way we live, the way we act, the way what we say, it is to really reflect him. So when we look at all this beautiful stuff that is to be used for the high priest garment and the priestly garments, um, they, God cares that there be a real identification with the outward appearance, with the beauty of God, and not just the beauty that man is wearing at that time. So, so what I got as I, out of this, as I was thinking, is uh, of the message, is really the importance of, of really having our hearts cleansed, pure, beautiful, when we come before God in intercession for people and to make sure that we use the, the resources that God has given us uh, for his glory. And so uh, the portion I chose to chant is from uh, is the beginning, the first four verses of uh, chapter 28. And uh, I like, well, I like all of it, but um, in that passage, there are so many words that are really rich beautiful theological words and I, I, the more I read the the more I thought wow this is an amazing passage just for the richness of the language it talks about les kahanoli kohen we know means a priest but it's used as a verb also to make someone into a priest and so God makes us into priests and for those who have learned Hebrew it's a pl and uh, PL means that you make uh, the, the object into what you desire. So God says, this is what I want you to do, Moses, because I want Aaron and his sons to be made into the people that I want them to be. And then we have big day kodesh, garments, uh, holy garments, holy, beautiful, holy. God is holy. So holy garments, so for glory and for beauty. So it's very rich in, you know, how we can imagine, but also with the heart, because it talks about, I have filled them with ruach chachamim, with the spirit of wisdom. So in addition to being the outward, the inward, very rich. Le kodsho, le kahanoli is repeated three times to make holy and to big day kodesh again. So there's repetition of these terms of holiness, of beauty, and of, of wisdom uh, a couple of times in this passage. So this is what I chose to, uh, to chant. So when you read these passages, think about what is the beauty that God wants me to reflect. It is his beauty. <laughs> 